Belly and the fish. Belly. Belly and the fish. Welcome, friends, to Belly and the Fish. I'm your host, Corbin, a.k.a. The Fish, and we got big old Ben Belly Smokes. Hunter! We're back! We are back, indeed, and as always, John Charette joins the desk. Welcome, John. 49 hours, 20 minutes until Super Bowl run 2023 begins. Just one more sleep is all it takes, and then we will be there. Actually, we're recording this on Tuesday, so two more sleeps tomorrow. Exactly. That's how I'm calculating at this point. We are in week one, boys. It is about time. I feel like it would never come, but at long last, the week is here. The day is almost upon us, and I am just so stoked and ready to go. These are the next worst 18 weeks of my life. (laughs) And we will be back to a weekly podcast to Belly's Dismay. Uh, We'll be putting it out probably every Monday. We'll record Wednesday, well, Tuesday night, Wednesday mornings. We'll have it out for the people. Getting a little late start with a Labor Day here, but hope you guys had a good one. That was kind of our our last hurrah, but now we're going full steam ahead to chronicle this Lions historical season. Is it crazy to leave? No, not at all. Not this year. I was trying to keep my feet on the ground last year, and I started to believe, and now there's no holding back. Just total 100% optimistic Corb is here, and he's going to stay. Belly, you can try and bring me down all you want, but it's not going to work, man. I'm on cloud nine. I'm just ready to get this thing going. Hey, you already changed your prediction that the Lions are going to win this game. <laughs> well, we have some breaking news that came out just within the past few days, so you know what? Maybe I wasn't thinking clearly when I gave the Lions the loss in week one, but just a, I guess a little uh, spoiler alert. I got the Lions winning this one, so we'll hop into it here. But getting back to a little bit more traditional role here in the podcast, um, typically we'll do the the week before his matchup, preview the next week's matchup, and then we'll talk some football. So, so for segments this time, we've got Lions talk, the week one preview versus the Chiefs. We've got betting with the belly, as always. We can finally get back to the uh, the favorite, the underdog, the over, the under, instead of just these random bets that we can hardly keep track of. Also, we're introducing our Survivor League, which will be officially ran through belly, and I'll let him explain that when we get to it here. But if you haven't already joined, feel free to give us a message. you still got a couple of days before it really kicks off. We'll take it from there. We're also doing a Fantasy Survivor League, We'll explain that a little bit later on in the show. Uh, as always, bowels with the belly and the return of Corbin. How bad do you want it? So, oh no, we're going to get a positive record this time. It depends how easy belly takes it on me, but we'll see about that. Yeah, he says scorched earth this year. Yeah, so I'm not getting a single win then, huh? I hope not. We'll see how outrageous you can get. I have a feeling that you're going to crowdsource for one of these and it's going to be a layup for me, so we'll see. I did crowdsource it today, but I still ended up going with something that I came up with. All right, well, I'm ready for it. Bring it on, Belly. I ain't scared of you. Not yet. Maybe I'll regret that in a couple hours here, but right now I'm fearless. Well, I mean, you need to like create a log because I don't even remember what I've done at this point yet. I don't even remember which ones you lied about. 
well, just put it in your notes or something. You can just have the question and then you can have my response and then you can put if you think it was the truth or a lie. Yeah, now, we have a Corbin lie tally. We know that you're a, you're the scribe. <laughs> yeah, we could have like a three column one, like wins, loss, no ties, just lies. <laughs> wins, losses, and lies. Wins and lies. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> but let's get right into it. We'll talk a little bit about the uh, the training camp. It's been a couple of weeks since our last episode. And since then, the Lions have a new backup quarterback in town. It's Teddy Bridgewater. We got him on a one-year deal worth $5 million, $2.5 million guaranteed. A lot of people think $5 million is a, a lot to spend on a backup quarterback. But at the same time, we had the cap space. He's on a better deal than like a Marcus Mariota, Andy Dalton, Tyrod Taylor. They all have more expensive contracts. So to get Teddy Bridgewater, who's kind of that fringe starter, I mean, that's great insurance in case something, God forbid, does happen to Goff. So I'm happy to have tentative Teddy in the fold to, you know, pick up the slack if needed, if God forbid anything does happen. We got 2.5 GTD for Teddy PTG, Teddy Two Gloves. I wasn't following that acronym, but good use of letters. Yeah, I didn't get it either. I just kind of <laughs> rolled with it, assumed it was right. Don't don't roll the tape back. I think it was right. <laughs> but sadly, that marks the end of an era. Nate Sudfeld. Well, I think he's actually on a injury reserve, but who knows how real that injury actually is. Okay. Yeah, this Teddy was... was the guy that we needed. Yeah, it goes yeah. back to last year when Tim Boyle and... What's his face? We both we cut both of them at the end and signed okay. Nate Sudfeld. It's just been a revolving door. David Blau, that's the name I'm missing. Yeah, they're He's, all they all have like the worst last names you've ever heard. Boyle, uh, Blau, Sudfeld, Bridgewater, yeah, Bridgewater, great last name. Very that's nice a last football name, player's last name right there. That's a quarterback's mm-hmm. last name. Mm-hmm. That's a two and a half million dollar guaranteed contract backup guy. That's mm-hmm. what we need. We haven't had that kind of backup since the Sean Hill era. And hey, he won us some games. Yeah, I remember Sean that uh, Titans game. He beat the Titans back, uh, I don't even know what year it was, but it was electric. He had that Hail Mary. You're not a real Lions fan unless you're a real Sean Hill fan. True that, true that. But hopefully we won't even have to see Teddy Bridgewater. He played in, I think, just one preseason game, and it was not the best. Definitely not his best. Maybe, actually, it was two preseason games, and... He was definitely not the best, but he hasn't really had a whole lot of time. And, you know, he'll have a couple of weeks, hopefully, at least until we would even need him to step into any kind of capacity on our offense. So, yeah, I feel good about having some insurance. That seems to be the or that seemed to be the one glaring need that we had on our offense. So feels good to have him on the team now at this point. Uh, next guy up, Khalif Raymond. He signed a two year extension. So, you know, he's a good like outside inside kind of wide receiver. You know, he's good for a couple of catches every single game and he's a great punt returner he was a pro bowler last year so i mean just to have him locked down for the next couple of years it's nice especially with jameson williams you know with his history you know amon ross st brown hasn't been the pinnacle of health so far throughout his career um he has a lot of versatility so i like i like the deal i feel no way about khalif raymond <laughs> I think uh, any special teams specialist you can get, why not? 
Yeah, and I, I don't think we ever really used him as a kick returner. I guess that's more for, like, the long-range speed guy, and he's good on punt return just because he has that quickness. I mean, everybody said in training camp that he was just hell to go against as a defensive back in those one-on-one drills. So he runs good routes. He's quick. He's fast. He's a good safety blanket for Goff. So no problems with that deal. Yeah, I mean, he's he's cheap little, like, wide receiver 3-4. And uh, another wide receiver, J-Mo, his, his suspension has officially begun. And he actually did go out with a hamstring injury in training camp. So he'll be rehabbing that on his own since he's not allowed even onto like a Lions team facility until after week three is done. So he'll be out for a couple of weeks. Hopefully he'll be diligent in his rehab, working out, getting ready to go. And then his suspension, obviously, six weeks. So after week three, he'll be able to come back to uh to Allen Park and he'll be able to warm up and you know kind of get that chemistry with Goff but that hamstring injury it kind of sucks just because that was you know we only had a few weeks to really get him up to speed and now he's even set a little bit further back so it's tough I mean as athletic as he is and you know as elite as he can be you got to be able to get those reps and get that chemistry with Goff. That's the biggest thing for me. The sense, the suspension was bad, but the injury is just, you know, one more thing on top. So it sucks. It's not anything to be concerned about long-term. We'll be back by week six, but you just don't get those reps. Well, I do think a little bit long-term. It's a concern just because he started the last, or his first two seasons uh, via injury. You know, he's suspended, but he's been injured. I mean, I know that it was a holdover from the, you know, his last college season, but I don't know. You don't like seeing two shortened seasons to start someone's career. It's never uh, a great sign of success. And I don't like those bells in the background either. Sounds dooming. It's Ava Maria. That nice grandfather clock you got in the background somewhere there, John. Yeah, we haven't hung it up yet, so it's creepily up in the closet in our guest bedroom slash my office so yeah so is that bad boy gonna go off on us every hour (laughs) on the hour oh great fantastic well it's two minutes too fast just so you know but yeah i know it's actually it it goes off at 58 well this one's not really lion's news but it's worth mentioning tj hawkinson has officially signed an extension with the vikings for 68.5 million that's 42 and a half million dollars guaranteed which is just over 17 million dollars per year that is the highest contract for a tight end in nfl history so that kind of puts into perspective what brad holmes and dan campbell were thinking i mean they knew that tj hawkinson was looking for you know top three money i don't even know if they were aware that he wanted to be the highest paid tight end in the entire nfl but $17 $17 million a year for a tight end who's never even eclipsed a thousand yards is pretty crazy in my mind. And off air, Belly and I have had an argument about how valuable a tight end is to a team. If you got a guy like Travis Kelsey, he's right up there with the elite of the elite wide receivers. Somebody like that, I could understand it. If you're talking TJ Hawkinson, man, I mean, how do you live up to $17 million a year? How does like a Christian Kirk live up to his, you know, 18 million or whatever it is? million dollar contract a year it's just insane so i mean i think in the long run the vikings are going to be hamstrung from this contract i'm happy that he got paid you know it's great but i 
the same time, I'm happy that my team's not the one that's playing the Bills. Everybody, and by everybody, I mean James and Stephen DeWitt, told me I was mean when I said I hope they do this contract and they just fuck him over forever, but... Or not fuck him over, but fuck the Vikings over forever. And that kind of seems like what might be happening. I mean, they've got other guys to pay. Justin Jefferson's coming up pretty soon. They've got uh, Christian Derrissaw. He's a good lineman for them. They are kind of rebuilding on defense, so they'll have to get some young talent eventually. I guess they, you know, you got to spend the money somewhere. And Hawkinson's easily their number two option in the receiving game. So I get why they would want to lock him up because otherwise you're pretty much just pissing away that uh, draft capital that they gave to the Lions. So it had to be done. But at the same time, it just, I mean, like I said, I'm just happy that we're the ones that don't have that contract on the books because it's ugly. We've got guys like Penny Sewell, Amon Ross St. Brown, Aiden Hutchinson. They're going to be due for contracts sooner than later. So not having that $17 million hit every single year for the next four years is going to be a blessing in disguise. I'm glad we uh, parted ways with them when we did. Yeah, that contract, if you put him uh, up with wide receivers, would make him the 17th highest paid wide receiver annually. Yeah, and I mean, if he had the productivity, you know, like that would be, you could justify it. If you're like one of three or four tight ends ever, sure. Yeah, like Travis Kelsey, I could see, like, you know, if he was four years younger and he got a contract right now, I could see, that mm-hmm. would be a fair contract, but the fact of the matter is he has not put up those numbers, and he is young. You know, he's got time to do it. He is a top five tight end of the league pretty consistently. But I don't know, man. I, it's just I think you could spend the money in better places. For a team that's still looking to compete this year, I guess you got to do what you got to do. It seemed like he was looking to hold out. He had an ear infection and, you know, some other bullshit injury that kept him out of training camp, so – but he'll be back in the fold. He'll be playing week one. So good on him for getting that money. But Lions fans be happy that that is not on our books. Let's jump into the 53-man roster cuts here. A couple of surprises that I had noted. Craig Reynolds was originally cut, and the Lions were only carrying two running backs, David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. Uh, after they, And then also Jason Cabinda. I mean, he's a fullback, so that doesn't really count. But... A lot of Lions fans were concerned, thinking, like, what are we going to do with RB3? And then we signed Zonovan Knight from the Jets, uh, put him on the practice squad, and then eventually re-signed Craig Reynolds a couple of days later. He's back on the active roster. No surprise there. When you have a veteran that you can release who doesn't have any guaranteed money, it makes sense to lose him and then just kind of give him the wink, wink, like we're going to bring you back while you can shuffle some things around, put some guys on injured reserve. And that's exactly what we did. We moved Julian Aquara to the IR and Craig Reynolds was brought back. So we've got three running backs on the 53 to start out with the Zonovan Knight on the practice squad. Uh, Jermaine Effetti on the offensive line was kind of a surprise cut just because you hear around the league how much of a problem lineman depth has been I thought that he was a solid option and he immediately got picked up by the bills we released him a few days before the deadline and we only carry three offensive line backups right now and that's Glasgow uh, Colby Soresdale and Matt Nelson obviously we saw some Matt Nelson last year wasn't the best at tackle but he's kind of that right tackle fill-in if something happens to Penny Sewell or Taylor Decker we can bump Penny over to left Uh, Soresdale I mean he's obviously more just a developmental guy 
I don't really expect much at all from him this year. And then Glasgow's got that guard center versatility. So Glasgow, I feel pretty confident in, but after that, I mean, we've got a whole lot of nothing and it doesn't seem like we are, you know, the only team in the entire NFL with this issue, but still, I would have liked to have seen maybe just one more guy that we kept on the team. I'm not, you know, some offensive line guru that I could really give you a perspective on who it should have been, but it seemed like Jermaine Effetti by all accounts was, you know, tracking to make the team. And for whatever reason, we let him go. We've had injuries the last, seems like forever on offensive lines. So not having depth is scary. Those big boys fall hard. Yeah. And Frank Ragnow's had that nagging foot injury. And then Halapuli Vudi Vitae has obviously had some <laughs> issues with his health last year. He had the back injury. It was out the entire season. So I feel comfortable with Graham Glasgow, you know, slipping into a Vitae's role. Frank, obviously, you're not going to be able to replace him, but he's a solid backup guy. Tackle, I mean, let's just hope and pray that nothing happens to Taylor Decker or Penny Sewell throughout the entire season. We really need those guys. Guard, we have a little bit more of a wiggle room there but if something happens at tackle we are sol and i don't mean same old lines i mean shit out of luck but keep an eye on that maybe we'll add somebody through a trade if injuries do happen i mean that's always an option especially with a team that's looking to compete when the trade deadline comes around we can get some veterans for you know some crap draft capital that we can just toss over there take on some contracts we still have some room to wiggle there as well so Move on to the the defensive tackles and the edge group. Uh, we have five defensive tackles, interior guys. Benito Jones and Levi Onzerike made the cut, along with Isaiah Bugs, uh, Broderick Martin, and Aleem McNeil. So those are our five inside guys. And we also have a couple of guys who are a little more versatile, can go like that five-tech, three-tech, like a Kaminsky or a Josh Paschal. Uh, Julian Aquara was another one who made the cut. We are carrying seven edge rushers, but he was placed on IR pretty much right away, like I mentioned with that Craig Reynolds move. So a lot of people were saying that there might be a trade for Julian Aquara. There was some rumblings that the Giants might be interested in him. And I mean, that's it's weird to think that, you know, just two years ago, we were we had no idea what we were going to do. We had Charles Harris, we had Romeo Aquara, and after that, like a whole lot of nothing. And now Edge seems to be one of our our best positions in terms of depth. I mean, we got Hutch, we've got Pascal, we got Kaminsky. I mean, we've got Julian or Romeo Aquara and Charles Harris. So, I mean, there's so many guys that can get it done, and so many versatile pieces that we can move around that defensive line. Interior could be a little bit better, but I feel really good about the guys we have on the edge. Uh, a couple other surprising cuts we had were uh, Starling Thomas and Chase Lucas. Starling Thomas in particular was a little bit of a surprise for me just because he was hyped up throughout training camp. He's got the speed, he's physical. From what I've heard, that was kind of the issue, like too many penalties in the preseason. And then you got guys like Stephen Gilmore and Khalil Dorsey who made the cut, and that's because they were making turnovers happen in practice and in those preseason games. So um, Chase Lucas was more like a special teams kind of guy. He did have some good plays in the preseason as well, but ultimately there's only so many guys that you can keep. So I'm happy that we got Stephen Gilmore and Khalil Dorsey was a little bit of a sneakier one. I thought maybe Starling Thomas would make the cut over him, but uh Fatu Melifanwu was another one. He made the cut and that really surprised me because you really haven't seen a whole lot of him. And we already have four guys who can play safety. We got Tracy, Kirby Joseph, CJ GJ, and Brian Branch. 
And sure, CJ, GJ, and Branch are more in that nickel role, but they have the ability to play that in a pinch if needed. Fatu Malafan was just a little bit redundant. He was a third-round pick from a couple of years ago, and I did not think that he would be making the roster. He's solid on special teams, but at the same time, there's other guys who can contribute in that capacity, like a Chase Lucas. I would have rather had a Chase Lucas than Malafan Wu, so not sure what the thinking was with that one. Uh, especially because we've never seen him contribute any valuable snaps on defense. So it's pretty much a special teams play is what I, is what I kind of guess here. Gotta be like a special teams slash uh, future possible abilities. You know, they, they think he's got a higher ceiling maybe. That is true. And, I have and never he's, seen he's, that. What? <laughs> Go ahead, Ben. I said, that is true. I have never seen that. I don't know what that means. No, me neither. Anyways. Corbin, Corbin <laughs> said, you never see that. And I said, that's true. I've never. Okay, I don't whatever. remember what I was saying. Good take, good take. Uh, here's something that you can really give an opinion on, Bell. Riley Patterson wins the kicker battle. And do you know who's on the practice squad? Yeah, stupid fucking money badger. He is back. The return of the money badger. In case of emergency, he will be the backup kicker. He's a practice squad place kicker. That's everything you need to know about his resume. That sounds like he's got the best job in the world. Yeah, it's really not that bad. Probably makes like... Close to a million just to go and practice and kick some field goals. It doesn't yeah. have to I bet, have that I bet that, guy, that guy is mentally rocked every night saying, I should have never named myself the Money Badger and been so non clutch at kicks to make Belly lose all his bets when he needed to be clutch. Did he give himself that nickname? Yeah, it's a self coined nickname, the Money Badger. I thought you made it up, honestly. No! <laughs> Oh, we don't have to worry about that. Riley Patterson's back. He was kicking for the Jaguars last year. He lost the kicker battle last year to Austin Seibert. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, he's definitely not a long-legged kicker. He was the more accurate of the two between him and John Parker Romo, who was really just kind of the big leg guy who couldn't hit even a 40-yarder sometimes. So I think we're going to be sticking with the same script as last year. You know, those 50-yarders, we're going to be going for it on fourth down, which isn't so bad. You know, and those close ones, 30, 40 yards, that's going to be in his range. So we'll just need him to make those extra points on those short field goals. It just kind of sucks not having the the Jason Hansen, the Matt Prater we've been accustomed to. We're still trying to figure it out, but we're not the only team who's had some uh, issues at kicker. There's been a, a carousel of kickers throughout the entire league that I've kind of kept track of throughout uh, the, the cuts in training camp. So, But the one question that I have now, if Maurice Alexander and Starling Thomas were doing some of those, you know, kick returns, but I really don't know what we have planned at this point. You guys got any candidates you might think would be a good option there? I'm not going to lie, Corbin. I do not. The uh, the depth chart still says Khalif uh, Raymond, so. Yeah, I don't really know how I feel about that. I mean, sure, he's good on punt, but we've never really used him as a kick returner. And from what I've seen, the Lions haven't even named a kick returner. So it might just kind of be like a game time decision. I mean, Jamison Williams is a guy who comes to mind later on. Jameer Gibbs, too. He has that breakaway speed. 
Khalif Raymond's probably the guy that makes the most sense, I guess. But I don't know, man. It's I'm ha- it's not like the biggest deal because on kickoffs, a lot of times you're just taking touchbacks anyways, the way that the, the rules have changed. So not the biggest deal. I'd rather have a solid punt returner than a kick returner, but it's just a question that's going on in my mind. It seemed like Starling Thomas would have been good for that and good for cornerback depth too. So I guess we'll have to wait until Thursday to see who the Lions roll out there. I just don't want it to be someone like Gibbs or Jameson Williams because they've devalued. I mean, not that it was ever that highly valued, but it's it's been kind of uh, devalued so much through rule changes and whatnot that just don't put anyone back there who could possibly get hurt. Yeah, I hear you. It's like when we had Golden Tate to the uh, the punt returns. Mm-hmm. From a couple yeah. of years ago, too, it's scary. But at the same time, those are the best playmakers. So it gives you your best shot of actually making something out of nothing. But, yeah, I feel like we'll just be rolling with, you know, somebody who's a little bit more expendable. And as much as I hate to say it, I think that that guy would probably be Khalif. You know, he's sure-handed. He, he's quick. So I would trust him back there. I don't know who else we would put out there. Maybe one of the, the defensive backs. Uh, keep the Chiefs on their toes. Don't let them know what we're going to do. We don't want to let them know our next move. And then one more piece of news that just developed within the last few days. Isaiah Bugs, our starting nose tackle last year, is not even playing against the Chiefs. He will be a healthy scratch. There's a lot of speculation going around, a lot of headlines saying that the Lions locker room is in turmoil because Isaiah Bugs isn't playing against the Chiefs. I think everybody just needs to relax a little bit on this. I mean, yes, Isaiah Bugs served a an important role for us last year. But when you're going up against the Chiefs, you know, they're not just a run it down your throat kind of team. They're going to want to pass the ball. We've got Broderick Martin, who's a young nose tackle that we want to get some reps. And from what I've heard, Benito Jones has been one of the better defensive linemen in preseason. So the way I see it is bringing three nose tackles to Kansas City is a little bit redundant. We've got Aleem McNeil, who's kind of, you know, that, he won't be playing all three downs, but he's probably going to be getting like 70% of snaps. Then you can rotate in Benito Jones and you can rotate in Broderick Martin. You got a John Kaminsky and a Josh Pascal that you can bump in and have serve that three tech role on like a passing down situation. And also our linebackers are way more improved this year. You know, if we just have like one guy to eat up space and then we've got like our Aline McNeil to penetrate, those linebackers will be able to fill those holes better than they have in the past. So Bugs is going to be a part of the team going forward. I'm not looking into it too much. I just think it's part of the game plan here. You know how I know you're really serious about this game, Corbin? Why is that? You haven't even called them the Chiefs one time. I was getting to it. I keep getting called out for it, so I try to focus on it every (laughs) single time. Who's calling you out? (laughs) All of our fans. They're like, hey, Corbin, man, you know how you say Chiefs? I really don't like that. <laughs> versatility, too. I used to say versatility, and so now I always just focus versatility, versatility. Chiefs, versatility. Those are my two bugaboos. But I will correct it now because all I can think about is our matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs. It goes down this Thursday, September 7th at 8.20 p.m. Eastern Time. Grab your popcorn, folks. It is going to be a big one. The spread opened up at the Lions plus six and a half, and now 
are only plus six. The public likes the Lions, folks. Vegas said so themselves. The over and under is set at 54. Well, it was 54 points. Now it's at 53 and a half points. Public doesn't like a lot of points, it appears. Historically, the last time the Lions played the Chiefs was in 2019. And the Chiefs came to Ford Field and we lost 34 to 30. It was one of Matt Patricia's finest games. If you remember, it was the one where there was like five fumbles, four or five fumbles, something like that. Justin Coleman was just punching balls out left and right. That's actually when I had some hope in the direction the organization was going after that game. That's how it was with Patricia. You know, you would beat the Patriots, you'd come close to the Chiefs, and then you would just lose games that you never should have. So hopefully we're not going to be following suit from the last time we met. It's been, what, four years now? So... I think we've uh, learned a thing or two. Totally different team, and they've got a lot of familiar faces. Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, Patrick Mahomes were running the show back then. Uh, it's the dawn of a new age. The Chiefs dynasty is coming to an end, and it starts week one. Week one. Well, let's take a look at Kansas City and some of their offseason additions here. Jawan Taylor was a right tackle for the Jaguars, but he came into Kansas City. It looks like they're going to be moving him to left. Uh, they also got Drew Tranquil, who was a solid linebacker for the Chargers. He started for them last year, had like 100-some tackles. Uh, they do already have Nick Bolton, though, so he's kind of going to be – I think he had like 170 tackles last year. So Drew Tranquil should be, you know, filling in with him if they have two linebackers or, you know, subbing in for him if he needs a breather. Uh, when it comes to the draft, not a whole lot of note. They have that Felix Anaduke Uzoma guy from Kansas State. He's an edge rusher. And then they got Rasheed Rice, a wide receiver from SMU. Chiefs are always picking late in the draft because they're always good. They happen to pick 32nd, well, 31st this year, I guess, because the Dolphins didn't have their first-round pick. So those are the only two guys that should be somewhat contributors. Rasheed Rice, obviously, the the Chiefs don't have the best wide receiver depth next to Kelsey, if you count him. So I'm sure we'll be seeing some of him. Um, and then, you know, Felix... And Aduke Uzoma, I'm sure he'll get some snaps as well. But he's more like a speed rusher kind of guy, a little bit undersized. And we've got some good tackles, so I'm not too concerned about him. Now, not a lot of additions for the Chiefs, but they did have a lot of key departures, starting with Orlando Brown. Or I think he was a Pro Bowl left tackle. He went to Cincinnati. Juju Smith-Schuster's out of town. He went to New England. Juan Thornhill, their starting safety, went to the Browns. McCole Hardman to the Jets. And then Frank Clark, uh, one of their longtime edge rushers, he's still a free agent. So he was not the most productive, you know, this last year or two. So probably the right move. They have some younger guys like the Felix guy that I mentioned so that they can bring him in. Taking a look at their team, Patrick Mahomes is obviously going to be the headline here. He presents an obvious problem for our boys. Him and Travis Kelsey have been doing it for years. They don't have the best wide receiver, but that connection is undeniable. It's not going to be out of the question to say Kelsey could have 10 catches for 100-plus yards and two touchdowns. They have plenty of games under their belt like that. So hopefully they have a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover going on there, but if history tells you anything, those two are going to be firing on all cylinders. And This is probably the worst wide receiver core that Mahomes has had to play with at this point. They got Kadarius Toney, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Sky Moore, some speed guys, but, you know, they're kind of just traits-based dudes. You know, 
he'll spread it around, but at the same time, you don't have that one guy who can just take over a game. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be tough sledding for him. And the run game that has improved, it's kind of, it's tough to imagine like what they're going to do with this. And as of today, Travis Kelsey actually is questionable because he had a uh, hyperextended knee, I believe, in practice. So they don't even know if he's going to be playing. So that is going to be absolutely huge. If Kelsey doesn't play, Patrick Mahomes is going to have to get really creative and get something to work with the receivers that he has. But looking on the defensive side, Chris Jones is one of the best defensive tackles in the league. He can stop the run. He can press the interior and rush as a passer. But he's currently a holdout trying to get a new contract. And he says that he might even be waiting until week eight. So their number two and three best player Likely will not be playing. Chris Jones, probably not. Travis Kelsey news just came out today. A lot of stuff can develop you know, in the next couple of days here. But so far, it's looking pretty good. Having those two and three guys, the second and third best players on your team out, would be monumental for the Lions. But at the same time, I kind of want them at full strength just so nobody can say, oh, you beat the Chiefs without Kelsey or Chris Jones. Good job. People say that. They, they discount your wins because someone was injured. I can hear it already. It will happen, a hundred percent. I mean, a win's a win. A win's a win, and take the win. I don't. I don't. I don't think you're onto something there. Do you make these people up in your head? Yeah, I'm starting to wonder how many people actually say it because all oh, they tell me all the time. <laughs> Who tells you all the time? Yeah, you keep hiding your sources, and you're like, "Oh, I'll tell you later," and then we just never talk about it. It's weird. You don't think Packers fans are going to say that shit? Just go on to Reddit or go on to any like Twitter thread and you'll see in the comments <laughs> people talking shit. Go on, to, go on to Packers Reddit. I'll do that. Guy's walking no, into I'm a not... war zone and saying, I got shot. I don't get it. <laughs> you know that the haters are going to be saying that. You know it. There's well, going to yeah, be even the same old Lions them, fans. If you're going into your AIM chat rooms, maybe. <laughs> I don't seek these people out. They find me. I kind of <laughs> doubt that. <laughs> Bullshit. You're chirping at random NFL players in the replies on Twitter. <laughs> hey, I wonder That's why Micah you Parsons. tweet me back in. <laughs> <laughs> he is my enemy number one. <laughs> I don't seek these people out. <laughs> oh, I just stumble upon them somehow. I'm just saying people have their excuses ready to go. If and when the Lions do beat the Chiefs, it's going to be because Travis Kelsey's out, Chris Jones is out. You didn't beat him at full strength. Okay, whatever. I'll give you you maybe that ESPN on like first take. They'll be like, well, they didn't have Travis Kelsey. They'll probably say something like that if we win. Yep, Yep. I can see it now. And then, you know what? That's actually going to be better for us because then the Lions are still going to have that underdog mentality. Oh, they still don't believe us. They only think that we won because Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones were out. Well, now we're going to bring it to the Seattle Seahawks week two. So, fine. Let them talk their shit. We're just going to keep on lining up every Sunday and just do what we do best. Chris Jones winning the award for most basic name of all time. But he is a shit brick house, man. I mean, he is right up there with Aaron Donald on one of the most important pieces on a defense. I mean, just having that three-tech guy who can stop the run and press that interior, it's just invaluable. You know, it really just kind of eats up that space. So, I mean, without him, that is a huge, huge deal. If you have, like, one of those elite three-tech defensive (laughs) tackles, that's almost as good as having one of the elite edge rushers. 
Would you rather have an Aaron Donald in his prime or like a Khalil Mack? You know what I mean? I don't know. They both have pretty good name recognition. Chris Jones, though, is just a little basic. Like Aaron Donald, he's got two first names. Khalil Mack, that's just kind of a badass name. Mack Truck. Chris Jones, I don't know. Wasn't there a guy on the Raiders today who was mad his name is almost like Chris Jones? Chandler it's Chandler or Jones. Like that? Yeah, yeah, Chandler exactly. Jones. Who is who? Yeah, just some random guy, Chandler Jones. Well, hey, dude, you called him a shit brick house and not a brick shit house, so I had to Urban Dictionary real quick. <laughs> and it says, a person or person whose general appearance resembles a house made from bricks of shit. <laughs> <laughs> a shit brick house. I assure you that was just a jumble of words on my part. He is a brick shit house. That's what he is. <laughs> don't need to get into the semantics here. Basically, all I'm trying to tell you is that the Chiefs have lost a lot of key contributors. They are hobbled. Their second and third best pieces are out. But they are the reigning Super Bowl champions, and Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. So we can't take that lightly. I know that the team isn't going to, even if we are blessed with the, you know some injury luck there. It's an away game. Arrowhead is notoriously one of the hardest places to travel to and win a football game. So hopefully there's a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover there. I guess we'll have to wait and see. This is the game that is going to officially put us on the map. There's a lot of national media and people speculating out there on the message boards, on Reddit, on Twitter that I don't just try and seek out who have the Lions as a sneaky good team this year. If we can go to Kansas City and beat them, you're going to put the entire league on notice. And it's really just a win-win because, you know, say we win this game, everybody knows that we're legit and that we could be a contender this year. And then if we lose even by like a little bit, and you know what, okay, yeah, the Lions are scrappy. Like nobody expected them as six-point underdogs to go in and beat the Chiefs, but they kept it close, like keep them on your radar this year. And say we get blown out. Say we lose by 14, 20 points, whatever it is. People are going to say, oh, same old Lions. They're not going to do shit this year. They can't win against a good team. The team is going to take it personally, and they're going to come back the next week ready to go. They're going to look at themselves in the mirror and say, hmm, maybe we aren't what everyone is hyping us up to be. It's time to go out and prove the haters wrong like we had the last two years. So I really don't see this as you know a losing situation for us unless you know they, they lose the game and crumble, which I don't think a Dan Campbell team is capable of. So I'm just excited to get this on, on the road. I mean, whatever happens, I'm looking forward to the rest of this season. It's going to be a great test for us, and I'm just so excited to see what goes down. I've been waiting for months to see this team back in action ever since that Packers W Week 18. I know that we've got more left in the tank, and we've gotten we've improved our roster by a lot. Lots of key additions. We haven't lost anybody of real significant note, so... I'm just stoked. I'm ready to go, and I'm ready to get this game going. And let's uh, talk about our predictions, huh? Yeah, we'll hop into the Corbs Keys to Victory, and then we'll give you our uh, predictions here. So step one, take away Travis Kelsey. If he does play, he's going to be a big problem. And we've got the safeties who can cover him, like a CJGJ. Brian Branch has shown that he can cover you know, pretty much everybody we put in front of him in preseason, but he hasn't gone against a mismatch like Kelsey. But what I would like to do is have a linebacker who's a little bit quicker, maybe a Jack Campbell with safety help over the top, or we have a CJGJ with like a Kirby Joseph or Tracy Walker watching over the top. I think that's kind of the move right there. Also, Patrick Mahomes, he's going to have a good game no matter what. So we just need to limit him in any way we can. 
He's got some speedster receivers, Marquez Valdez, Scantling. We all remember him catching those deep balls from Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, we don't give up those big touchdown passes. We keep Patrick Mahomes to those checkdowns, some of the underneath stuff, and we are just sound in our tackling. We're going to be just fine. We just got to contain Patrick Mahomes. We can't really, you know, look to just stop him and shut him down because nobody has really been able to do that. We just have to keep his achievements to a minimum, I guess is the best way to say it and make it as difficult as possible for him with our defense. And the defense for the Chiefs can be exploited. They have a handful of solid players. Chris Jones, I mentioned, he sounds like he's not going to play. Nick Bolton's great linebacker. Legereus Sneed is a physical cornerback. He's going to get involved in the run game. He's a good tackler. But obviously, teams have put up points on the Chiefs in the past. So if we can, you know, just be consistent with what we do, run the ball down their throat, have Jared Goff make some smart passes, you know, not try and just go for the the dagger right away. We're going to be solid. I just don't want them to take over and force turnovers because that's going to be probably the most critical part of the game. Everyone knows when you're going against the best teams in the NFL, that turnover battle is absolutely vital. And Kansas City, best team in the NFL. If we're, you know, if Jared Goff throws a pick or two, we lose a fumble, Patrick Mahomes is clean as a whistle, we're not going to be winning that game in Kansas City. We got to damn near play a perfect game. I think so. I mean, the Chiefs, like we said, Super Bowl champs. I know Kelsey might be down and Chris Jones might be down, but I think Mahomes is probably going to get it done. Not trying to be a hater for you, Cor, but it's just what I think. Okay, I figured. All right, well, let's hop into some predictions here. Belly, say Mahomes is going to get it done. What do you think the score is going to be? Yeah, I got 31-24 Chiefs. Chiefs are going to cover. Chiefs are going to win. Mahomes is going to light it up. If you want a nice prop bet, Richie James anytime touchdown score. That's a fucking random bet. <laughs> what? It's fair. You, I mean, it's just going to be any one of those wide receivers. You know, it could be anybody. Pick your poison. If you play Immaculate Grid, Richie James, former New York Giant. That's hmm. right. Canarius Tony. Also, yes. How about you, John? What's the score looking like? All right, my score kind of hinges on Travis Kelsey because, like we've talked about, without him, the Chiefs really don't have any proven pass catchers. I mean, I know you got MVS who, like, you know, he, he rode Aaron Rodgers' coattails for a long time, but I don't really think he's that good. Um, so if Travis Kelsey's out, I got Lions 31, Chiefs 21. If he plays, I have a bit of a flip. Chiefs will score 31, Lions will score 24. Okay, okay. Don't trust in the Lions entirely. Well, guess what? Travis Kelsey or no Travis Kelsey, the Detroit Lions are going to Kansas City, Missouri, and they are whooping the Chiefs' ass. 27 to 24. They're going to cover. They're going to win outright. I don't care if Travis Kelsey is there or not. Guess what? He's probably too fucking hungover from the Super Bowl still because he's been partying all summer. And they probably think that they're just going to walk in there and walk all over the Detroit Lions, just like how everybody else has every other year. Well, guess what? It's the dawn of a new age. The Lions win 27 to 24. We're going to want to know. We're coming back to Detroit and we're playing the Seattle Seahawks. I want everyone to keep track this season of Corbin's overall uh, prediction of the Lions record and then week to week if he ever a single time predicts the Lions loss. 
can't expect me to bet against our squad week one. It's just not going to happen. I don't, I wouldn't feel like, like I said, it's a tough task. It's the toughest game that we have on the schedule this entire year, but it's week one. Anything can happen. The bears beat the 49ers week one last year. Okay. Kansas city chiefs are coming off a super bowl. They're riding high. They are going to get knocked down a peg when Aiden Hutchinson sacks Patrick Mahomes three times. Jared Goff erupts for four touchdowns, 280 yards, no picks. Jameer Gibbs is going to have like five runs for 60 yards and a touchdown, a couple catches here and there. And David Montgomery is going to make those linebackers and defensive backs pay. There's a name for this. It's called Delusions of Grandeur. I think we got a a legitimate shot. I mean, we're we're a very good team, but we'll see what happens. I mean, the Chiefs are also a very good team. They have possibly the greatest quarterback of all time. It's true. I'm not taking it lightly, and there is definitely a little bit of optimism coming in here. Proceed with caution betting money line. I will take the Lions to cover the spread. Was it at like uh, six, five and a half? What did you say it's down, earlier? It's down to five now. I just checked. It is. Oh, five. It's tight. Yeah, open six and a half. Getting a little tighter, but you know what? I'm still going to take it. I really think if it would be an outright win or a very close loss. I don't think that we're going to get blown out here. I don't think that the Chiefs are going to win by more than a touchdown. Could end up being like the Eagles last last year. Exactly. Exactly. And we played them tough, too. We'll put up some points. I think Jared Goff is going to be, you know, not cautious, but just very, you know, deliberate and aware that he can't let this game get out from under him and go down by too much because the Chiefs can put up points in 13 seconds and win a game like that. And I know our defense has been prepping for this matchup all summer long, and the Chiefs just act like we're just some regular old team they're going up against. So, guys, this is going to be a big one. I cannot wait. I am so, so excited for this, but we've got to stop talking about them, and let's move on to the NFL slate here because we're back with with the belly yep we are back with betting with the belly um last year as you all know we picked a favorite a dog did the over did the under um this year we're gonna switch it up a little bit and keep track and see who does the best um i guess there's a punishment that i didn't agree to if someone loses but we're gonna figure out what that is anyway probably not right now at another time but we're gonna finish off round one but first we're gonna recap what happened last time uh (laughs) A while ago, don't even remember, four weeks to a month, Corbin had picked the Women's World Cup Japan to reach semifinals. Did not happen. They lost to Sweden in the quarters. I picked Siwoo Kim to win the Wyndham. He finished tied for 33rd, so I was very close. Um, and then John's pick was USA Women to win the World Cup, and they lost to Sweden in the round of 16 in penalty kicks when Rapino skied one. Um, But moving on to this week, we're shifting back to the NFL because we are in season. We're going to go with the favorites first. Corbin, tell me about your favorite. My favorite this week is the Philadelphia Eagles, the Super Bowl runner-ups, four-point favorites going to New England to take on the Patriots. This line I really don't understand because the Patriots' offense is shit. They have a decent defense, but... The Eagles can throw, they can pass on offense. Jalen Hurts, the reigning NFL MVP, and they really didn't lose a step on defense. So 
I could see this one being a blowout, you know, maybe like a 24 to seven kind of game, something like that. But I just don't see the Patriots being able to do anything against the Eagles, even though it is Foxborough, it's a home opener. It's Bill Belichick. I think this Patriots team is going to be different than we've been accustomed to the past, you know, 20 years. So give me the Eagles minus four. Yeah, uh, week one lines never really make much sense to me. But um, as we said, we'll talk about the survivor pool. But I think like 70% of people got knocked out last year in week one. Um, So, yeah, moving on to your favorite, John. Tell me about it. Well, much like Corbin just said about the Eagles, the Vikings can also throw and pass. So I'm going to take them giving six points versus the Bucks. Uh, Bucks are kind of just all over the place right now. They're quarterback situation is up in the air they got baker mayfield but i mean this first ever regular season game with that team so vikings have been solid they lost dalvin cook but other than that they're they're kind of a very similar team very similar offense from last year so i like them in this game is that what i said the eagles can throw and pass yeah (laughs) 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 know what i meant They sure can. I did not fucking say that. Wait, did I say that? You were like, they can throw, they can pass. (laughs) (laughs) They can play football. Um, John, I'm sure a lot of people are loving them, some cousins after that quarterback documentary this offseason. So I don't hate the pick. I don't know what's going to happen with the Bucs. For my favorite, I did pick the Bengals minus two and a half at the Browns. Uh, I just feel like the Browns are mediocre in a lot of ways, and the Bengals just keep... uh, Driving deep in the playoffs and got to love that Joey B to Jamar Chase connection. So I'm going to go with the Bengals. Moving on to the Bark Bark Dog. Corbin, who you got? My dog this week is the Green Bay Packers. They are plus one going to Chicago. Aaron Rodgers might be out of town, but Packers do kind of own the Bears. I'm not going to lie. And everybody thinks that the Packers are going to take some giant step back this year. I am not one of those people. People think the Bears and the Vikings are going to do well. The Packers are going to suck just because Jordan Love is unproven. And while I agree with him, Jordan Love is unproven, and he's probably not the third coming of a Brett Favre or an Aaron Rodgers, but the Packers have a solid defense. They got a great offensive line. They can run the ball. They can rush the ball. You don't know if they can pass and throw. They can run it, and they can rush it, people. (laughs) Did you do that on purpose? Yes, I did do that one. Okay. Okay. Let's face it, the Bears had a lot of, you know, good offseason additions and through free agency for the most part. But Justin Fields is really the only weapon that they have. I'm not going to bet against the Packers at this point. I'll have to I'll have to see it before I believe it on this one. I'll take them plus one against the Bears. I like that pick. I think that's a good uh, a good selection. As you know, I'm a Jordan Love owner, so I got to root for the Packers for the time being. Uh, moving on to my dog, uh, Raiders plus four at the Broncos. Um, I just think that, I don't know, after last year, even though they got Sean Payton, the Broncos just seemed like they had just nothing going and everything was every which way. I think Judy wants to be traded. Russ is getting old. Javante, they say he's healed, but he tore like everything in his knee, so who knows. And then Jimmy G's just going to play good game management football, run it to Josh Jacobs, short little uh, – crossing routes to Devontae, and boom, they're going to take off. Moving on to John. Looks like you got a little uh, oceanic animal action. Yeah, the Dolphins are allergic to lightning this week. They're going in there to 
not San Diego, Los Angeles. <laughs> and they are going to win. So how are they allergic to lightning? Because the Chargers, they're yeah, like, shock they're them, lightning bolt. Yeah, they'd be, well, they'd be shockproof then. Well, they're like, yeah, sure. Oh, well. <laughs> I understood it, John. <laughs> uh, all right, you got me back on that one, Corey. Got you back, yep. Uh, yeah, so Dolphins plus three at the Chargers. Uh, I think it's going to be a really, really good game. I think it's going to be a shootout. Uh, I was looking at the slate, and I just took them because I, I don't know. I kind of like where the Dolphins have been going. I like their coach. I like the receivers. I think Tua's pretty solid. So Maybe he's not brain dead. Well, his brain might be mush, but he is solid. <laughs> Great. There's not really a home field advantage in L.A. either, so I like that pick too. Yeah, and now uh, we're moving on to the over-under. Uh, Corbin, tell me more about this game. My over is the Dolphins Chargers. I think that it's going to be electric on the scoreboard. Like you said, John, I could see this one being a shootout. Tua's healthy. They've got a great offense. Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill are going to be killing it. I mean, they both combined. I think they had the most receiving yards for a wide receiver duo in NFL history last year. And the Chargers, I mean, they got Austin Eckler. They got Mike Williams. They got Keenan Allen. They just added Quentin Johnson. So two capable quarterbacks. Defenses both have something to be desired. It's week one, and I really want to watch this one just because of the fantasy football implications, too. So I'm rooting for that over 51 points in the Dolphins-Chargers game. John, what are you thinking? So for my over, I've got uh, Cowboys-Giants over 46.5. Cowboys and Giants, a lot of the time, ends up kind of being just like a boom-boom, bap-bap, touchdown for touchdown showdown. So week one... I don't know. It's kind of hard to predict what's going to happen. So I figured I'd just go with history. The old boom, boom, bat, bat. That's right. Skadap, bat, pow. <laughs> uh, I don't hate it. A little divisional matchup. Maybe they're out for blood. Um, for me, I was looking through all the over-unders, and I really couldn't pick one. So I picked the, one of the lowest ones I could find. That would be my Titans and the Saints. The Titans are typically ravaged by injury, so this is the freshest they'll ever be. So we're going to take them uh, over 41, which really is not that much. Um, yeah, and then moving on to the unders, Corby. Got the Ravens and Texans under 44 points. C.J. Stroud is making his rookie debut. I wouldn't count on him to put up too much, um, but the Texans' new head coach, why can't I think of his name? What's his name? Why can't I think of his name? D'Amico Ryans? D'Amico Ryans, that's right. I don't know why I couldn't think of that. Former Texans linebacker, very defensive-minded head coach coming over from the 49ers. They had a great defense last year. Ravens have a great defense as well, and they got Roquan Smith leading the charge there. Lamar Jackson does scare me because he does have some new weapons right now, but at the same time, I don't really count on those guys to uh, you know, really be putting up that much just because Lamar is more of a runner than a passer. So I'll take the uh, the under 44 in that game. All right. Don't hate the reasoning. John, what do you got? Well, I, 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 I'm actually really excited to watch the Ravens offense this year with the new coordinator. Just want to put that out there because I also have Lamar on my fantasy teams, two of them. Oh, Anyways, shit. Uh, we call it management. On my under, I got Rams, Seahawks. 
Rams offense, you really, I don't know what the heck to really expect from them. You got two years removed from a Super Bowl. You got Matt Stafford. Is he still really good? Is Did he fall off a cliff last year? Was it just injury? Um, Seahawks, I mean, they're pretty solid. I expect them to put up some points, but I was having trouble with the under, so I went with this one. I'm also horrible at selecting over-unders. I literally, like, just never know what to do. And currently, Ben and Corbin are have a, having a right, penis fight on the Google Doc. I can help. <laughs> Belly, what about your under? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just looking at yours of under Dick Ravens, Dick Texan, Dick under 44. <laughs> um, my under is the Bucks and the Vikings. Baker and Kirk, two mediocre quarterbacks as far as the uh, QB1s of the league. Um, other than that, uh, this is just a game I really don't have much desire to watch. So um, don't want any points there. Don't want to see it. Don't want to look at it. Under 45 and a half, book it. Did you just take away my access? Yes, I did. Sorry, <laughs> You're out, bitch. One step closer to being fired. Thank God. Yep. You're just a viewer now. Go with it. Good, good. Then I can. I'm never filling out one of these again. Got it. Good. Happy about it. <laughs> you better, or else you're gonna get a. You're gonna get a text at 4 p.m. <laughs> that day. Fucking, oh, I need your picks. You didn't pick yet, even though you can do it the entire time. I'm telling the lion stats. It only takes 45 minutes. You don't have enough time. Let's get to business, Bell. We got the Survivor League. Why don't you intro it for the listeners? It's your Survivor League. Yeah, it's been aptly renamed at our uh, boss's request to the Belly and the Fish Survivor League. Uh, We got about 50 or so people in it right now. But basically what you do is you pick a team to win each week. No spread, no nothing. If they win, you move on to the following week. The catch is that once you use them, you can no longer use them the rest of the entire season. So you got to pick smart because once you get into the nitty gritty of week 16 and you got to pick the Browns to win a game, I'd be scared. So anyway, we're going to take our picks, throw them up on this little podcast here and uh, track it as we go to see who does the best out of the three of us. Corbin, why don't you kick it off with your pick first? Yeah, Bella, like you said last year, like 70% of your league was bounced in week one, and it's just because you really don't know what you're getting. So it's kind of the safe approach to take, you know, the sure thing. This year, the sure thing, in terms of spread at least, is the Ravens at home versus the Texans. But there's another matchup I was really torn between taking, and that is the Commanders home versus the Cardinals. Uh, I'd like to take the Ravens at another time. The Commanders, though, they just sold the team. And Snyder is out of town. They're a team that wants to win. This is the dawn of a new age for them, too. The Cardinals clearly rebuilding. I was on to this matchup for the survivor pick before Colt McCoy got cut, before Isaiah Simmons got traded. The Cardinals are an absolute dumpster fire. No Kyler Murray. It's going to be Clayton Toon or Josh Dobbs starting for the Cardinals. No DeAndre Hopkins. Cardinals really just don't have anything. The Commanders are home. They're juice. They need a win. Sam Howell's first start, which is, you know, it's a tough pill to swallow. But at the same time, I just don't see them losing that game. I think the Cardinals are going to be a bottom five team in the NFL this year, if not the absolute worst. So lock in my survivor pick. The Commanders are winning week one. 
Um, well, I just screamed fuck at the muted, muted microphone, but I said, John, carry on. It looks like you have a similar pick. Yeah, I, I mean, Survivor League, it's tough because you want to try to... I mean, like, week one, if you can take someone who's not really expected to be that great, but should probably definitely win this game, you want to do that. So I'm also taking the Commanders versus the Cardinals, but it makes me scared because... We might end up in a situation like last year where just everybody gets out in week one because we all took the same team. This could be over by week one. <laughs> um, but anyway, I, for continuity purposes, and so we're not all slamming the same game, I took the biggest spread of the team that's at home this week, which is the Ravens versus the Texans. C.J. Stroud couldn't pass that test, so who knows what he can do on the football field. I don't think he looked too great in preseason. Ravens are uh, have been a good team for a long time, so 10-point favorites at home. Give me that. But I do have two entries that won't count towards this, but I picked the Commanders in the other one. Yeah, I, I just wanted to try to save the Ravens for later. Yeah, I used to save teams until I was one of those 70% in Week 1. In the arms of an angel. Of an angel. I win. This one's going to win. I got faith. Not getting bounced week one. Put my money where my mouth is. I'm taking them in all of my Survivor League. So we'll see. We will see. All of them? I wouldn't do all of them. I'd put a Ravens in there. Oh, and one of them I get two losses, so it'll be fine. Yeah, you don't want to burn that first loss, though. Then your back's against the wall. I'll be fine. All right. Let's take it over to this newest segment, Fantasy Survivor League. It'll be done with just us three. So basically how this is going to work is weeks one through 16, me, John, and Belly are all going to pick a quarterback, a running back, a wide receiver, and a tight end for standard PPR scoring. Pick one player per position. You can't reuse a player for the rest of the season, just pretty much similar to the Survivor League. And we will tally up week through one through 16 who has the highest points. This one's just for bragging rights. We'll think of the punishment for the, uh, the uh, Benton segment some point we'll have to brainstorm that hopefully within this week before john goes down zero and four and then he wants out mm-hmm. yeah we'll just pick we'll pick for this week and then we'll augment it after but we got to think about that it's not going to change my team all right fine well i'll kick it off and this week i'm taking justin herbert at quarterback going against the dolphins i said it earlier this is my over i like a lot of points in this game and Justin Herbert's pretty consistent. He's a reliable thrower of the ball. He can pass. He can throw. He can do it all. He's got some good weapons there. My running back's going to be Kenneth Walker. He's playing the Rams. Other than Aaron Donald, the Rams don't really have anybody of note on their defense. The Seahawks brought in Zach Charbonnet, but I still think that Kenneth Walker is going to be the main running back in that committee. And he's a big play threat. He'll be useful in the receiving game. It's PPR as well. So Kenneth Walker for my running back. Wide receiver, I wanted to take somebody who's solid, but, you know, not Justin Jefferson right away. I don't want to blow my wad too early. So I'm taking Amon Ross St. Brown against the Chiefs. Over, as much as I don't like that number, I still think that the Lions are going to have to put up points against Kansas City. There's no Jamison Williams. Jameer Gibbs is going to have to get, you know, his feet underneath him before we rely on him for, you know, a heavy workload. And I'm in Ross St. Brown. We already talked about this game. (laughs) Well, I'm just saying he's going to be a PPR machine here. He's the second coming of Keenan Allen. So we'll take Amon Ra against Kansas City. Look for some points. 
And tight end, we talked about this guy too. TJ Hawkinson going to Tampa to take on the Buccaneers. I like him just because he signed a big contract. The Vikings are going to want to show their fans that they made a solid investment here. And he has had a lot of targets outside of Justin Jefferson. Bucks do have some solid cornerbacks, so I think that he's going to be getting a lot of attention, and hopefully that works out in TJ Hawkinson's benefit. Yeah, I don't hate the picks. This is uh, definitely a work in progress as far as the format goes, but I don't hate it. It's not a bad lineup. The only thing I'd be worried about is Kenny Walker versus Zach. I would have waited to see how the splits worked out in the first game, but that's just me. John, moving on to you. Uh, Yeah, I just thought I'd kind of go pretty safe. Try not to pick the number one guy for each week, but uh, Jared Goff ended last season real hot, so I'm taking him for quarterback. Running back Saquon, figured I'd slot him in there before we maybe get a season-ending injury. Wide receiver Tyreek Hill, I mean, he's going to get like a 1,000 targets per game, so that's just solid any week. And then tight end Mark Andrews versus Houston, because I'm excited to see the the new Ravens offense. I think they're going to be a little more passing-oriented, and Mark Andrews is going to be a huge part of that, and Houston sucks, so. Yeah, uh, all good picks. Uh, you kind of followed my uh, strategy as well. I just pulled up, like, the top weekly rankings, picked someone towards the back end of the top 16, since there's only 16 weeks, and hopefully someone that was a standalone player as far as the team goes, like an Eckler as a running back. So uh, I got Fields as my quarterback. Hopefully he puts up a bunch of rushing yards because the guy can't throw the ball worth shit. Eckler versus the Dolphins. Guy's a bell cow. They keep giving him the rock. Amon Ra for reasons that Corbin has stated. And Hawk versus the Bucks because I wanted to pick a pretty good tight end, but I didn't want to blow my wad as well on Kelsey, even though he got injured, or Mark Andrews. So that will be our lineups. Fantasy survivor lineups for week one. I think this is going to get a lot more exciting toward the end of the season when the decisions are a lot tougher. Oh, yeah. There's your two-minute early clock right there, John. That is going to do it for our football segments this week. Get more football augmented as opposed to the fun stuff. At least for this week. We'll spice it up as we go. But <laughs> Do you just think football augmented? Our... Like we're getting a breast augmentation? Oh. No, we're getting bionic football, dude. I think, I think you meant oriented. <laughs> well, I, you know, I'm just trying to switch up my vocabulary. You're getting augmented. Football is getting inflated. I think that it works. I think that oh, works. yeah. Not Tom work. Brady. We we can edit this out. That just cracked me up. <laughs> nah, leave it in. Leave it in. We'll leave that for the listeners to decide. It just cracked me up. Anyways, we're moving on to our more fun augmented segments, and that's going to be <laughs> <laughs> having been made greater in size or value. Yeah, well, it's going to be that's what's more gonna, valued that's what's about be fun. It's more fun value. The augmented Thank segments. More fun. Thank God. Yeah. Ellie's augmented segment. We're going to augment this show. <laughs> you guys are getting Ugh. too dark for me, but not quite as dark as the colon of Belly himself. So without further ado, let's dive in to the bowels of the belly. Okay, so I have been traveling quite a bit. Uh, just It's summer, weddings, all the above. Um, so I have left my car at the office since it's right by the airport. And 
for the timeline's sake, this has been going on for like two weeks. So this weekend I went to Pigeon Forge and I had like a three and a half hour drive. It's Labor Day weekend, so I know the cops are going to be out and whatnot. And on the way there, I'm kind of getting weird honks and I don't know what's going on. I'm like, shit, am I getting pulled over? So then I get there, we, we drink in the cabin or whatever, and then the next day we're going to drive into Pigeon Forge and we stop at this restaurant. And my buddy who had, or not my buddy, but a guy I met on the trip for the first time, he's like, dude, you got sick, uh, six license plate cover. I'm like, yeah, it says Michigan State because I have just like a middle Michigan State border thing around my license plate. And the guy's like, no, the cowboy butts. I'm like, what are you talking about? So I walk out and I look at my license plate and someone had changed my license plate frame. The cowboy butts Hell drive yeah. me nuts. <laughs> That's from Joe Dirt. And I had driven like a, I had driven across like Tennessee with this. Like I got a couple of honks and I was just like, I don't know what's going on. And then I figured it out. I got back to work and uh, someone sold the guy out right away and he showed me a picture and it's two guys just like putting it on, just smiling and cracking up. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I was wondering what that little reminder was there. License plate. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I forget, man. You're just getting honked down by a bunch of guys on the highway. (laughs) Nothing too crazy this week. You're just screaming like, why the fuck are they honking at me? (laughs) I didn't do this. (laughs) That's a good one. Short and sweet to the point. She thought this this was going to be an hour and a half hour podcast, Bell, so you had to have a short, sweet one. Oh, yeah. All right, well, let's wrap it up, Bell. You got. So we're going back to one of my least favorite segments, but my man insists. He loves the Lions so much. We got to know, Corbin, how bad do you want it? So I've had these in the past, and I can only describe them as some of the worst pain I've ever had in my life. So during the Lions season, you will get two kidney stones per month. And then once the Lions win the Super Bowl, you will get one a month for the rest of your days. Think about that spiny crystalline rock just trickling down and trying to work its way out, just shredding you up inside. You might pee blood. You might hunch over in pain. You might not be able to sleep. I don't know, man. I hate him. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. I've never had a kidney stone, but some compare it to worse than giving birth. I've never given birth. I've never had a kidney stone or given birth, so I don't have any context. Oh. Okay, so how big are the kidney stones? Um, well, the, biggest one, the biggest one I ever had was about... I'm trying to think. What's a good comparison? Um... Like a pencil lead? All right, so you know like a thumbtack? Yeah. But not the skinny part, just that, oh. that the plastic part. And then kind of curve the edges in. It's about that size was the biggest one oh I had. Oh, my God, that sucks. I've got a very thin urethra, too, so. Oh, I thought I did, too. And that, honestly, when it comes out is the best part. It's when it's all stuck inside. You're trying to work its way down. Oh, so when it comes it out, out, it feels nice. Oh, it's it's electric. Oh, my God. That... But it's more of like, it's more of like, well, you know, when you're, this isn't a great comparison, but you know, when you're sick and you're like, I just want to be better. Hmm. It's that, but with pain instead of feeling groggy. Okay. So I have two every month you said during the season. And then after I have one a month for the rest of my life. Coming out your tiny little Hank Hill urethra. (laughs) Yeah. He's got a small butt, not a small urethra. No, he has both. 
He has a small urethra, oh and he has diminished glutes. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah, he's, he's got it in the front and the back. Jeez, man. What a hell of a life. Isn't there like a urethra expander or something that they could give me? Like, I think they call that sounding. Isn't there something they can use to break it down? Sounding? What? It's like a weird fetish thing. <laughs> I don't know what he said. Sounding. I've never heard of that. Look it up later. I thought I heard everything. Sounding? I've, I've never heard of sounding. <laughs> I, uh, I don't, I don't think know. I want to look up sounding. <laughs> they stick. It's like uh, one guy, one sandbox. No, they like, they, they, that. they essentially take this pen and dip it down the tip of your dick. That's basically what sounding is. I was a kid, my, I don't know if this is 100% true, but my younger brother, when he was in like preschool, he had one of his friends stick a string up his pee hole and he had to get it ripped out. <sighs> I don't even know how that's possible. Uh, when I was a kid, I dropped a pencil lead down my brother's ear and he had to get it removed. Um, I just looked up sound <laughs> on the Urban Dictionary. <laughs> How'd it go? On Urban Dictionary, so that, that softened the blow a little bit. But it says to insert a long rod into your penis to help the flow of ejaculation. I, and it used in a sentence, I occasionally sound, but only when I'm out of Viagra. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm not gay. <laughs> 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 Thanks, Urban Dictionary. <laughs> oh, man. I think that... I don't know the pain of a kidney stone personally, but from what I've heard, it's awful and some of the worst pain that you can go through. Due to the rate of my kidney stones, I'm going to have to say no, I would not do it. That's right. Oh, and one. That's, right. That's chapter one of the book we called got a Scorched couple up Earth. the chain, too. Oh, and one, and oh. Me and Ben, we came up with some. Wasn't a lie. Oh, no. No, no, no. The lies are never when you say you oh, can't do it. Yeah, you would never do that. <laughs> Maybe I was lying. <laughs> He's trying to change the record in the document. Right I'm, now. I'm fixing it to the correct record. Oh, and one and oh. Wins, losses, wins, losses, and lies. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the best way to keep track of it. I think that it has to be a unanimous decision between you two if it was a lie. I'll be fair with it, but a couple of them last year were fucking lies. <laughs> I mean, they're like tough. Like I would like to say yes because at the same time I'll never have to do this. No, you're so full of shit. No, I'm not. Like I'm never gonna have to have a kidney stone to pass once every week and then once every month for the rest of my life. So I could just say yes, and that wouldn't be a lie. Like yeah, bring it on. But there's no way that you could ever make that happen. Oh, I pay someone on Fiverr to. Put salts in your drinks to make you have all cholesterol, kidney stones, and shit. Boom. Then you're flowing out. It's going to sound like a BB gun's hitting the porcelain. Jesus. And I think I think we saved the last one I sent you for, like, week 18. Well, what was it? I don't remember. I... Oh, for this week. say it now. For this, this year. I thought you meant 18 last year. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But we save it. Because then it's closer. God damn it, I wanted to quit. All right, guys, we're going to wrap it up for this week. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week, recording next Monday after the Sunday slate, and we will have another episode out for you Wednesday night. Uh, please, if you haven't already, give us a follow, like, subscribe, download on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any other platform you listen to us on. Don't forget to give us a review. Give us five stars. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at LightCorbiashi. We also have the Belly and the Fish Twitter and Instagram accounts going. Feel 
free to DM us some ideas or text us with any segments that you'd like to hear. Please continue to spread the good word. Tell your friends, family, coworkers, and anyone and everyone you can think of. We appreciate the love and support, guys. Yeah, welcome back, and thank you for listening. Can't wait to talk for you next week. I, I can't top what Ben said, so. Uh, you can't, but I did want to give John a special thanks for coming on. We appreciate <laughs> you. Fuck you. <laughs> it's going to be every week, isn't it? Maybe. Well, that said. Oh, <laughs> my